We know there are times where you're just too busy to sort through the mass of information that comes your way. So to make it easier for you to stay informed, subscribe to The Morning Agenda, WITF's news podcast, where the only agenda is you. Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like its Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC Heart and Vascular Institute, where you get access to the most advanced treatment options, including a range of clinical trials. Learn more at upmc.com slash centralpaheart. Polarization over racial justice, transgender rights, books and history in schools, and other issues are characteristics of the nation's culture wars. The battleground for many of these issues is increasingly close to home in school districts, where school boards are making decisions about whether transgender athletes who identify as female can participate on girls' sports teams, or how the role of African Americans in history is taught in the classroom. A coalition of advocacy groups called Welcoming and Inclusive Schools, or PA Wins, has formed to fight policies they deem as attacks on diversity or non-inclusive. Uh, policies. We're joined on the Spark today by two representatives of organizations in the coalition and a parent. With us are Alex Domingos, an advocacy and policy strategist for the American Civil Liberties Union, Sharon Ward, senior policy advisor with the Education Law Center, and Adam Hosey, a community member from Mannheim Township in Lancaster County. I want to welcome all three of you to the program today. Thanks, Thanks. for having us. Thanks, so. So uh, let me start with you, Sharon Ward, at the Education Law Center. What are the goals of the PA Wins Coalition? So, Scott, um, the group that came together um, came together kind of in an emergency situation. What was happening was at the local level, um, parents were facing and hearing about school board policies that they found to be extreme and really surprised to hear about things like book bans, things like efforts to prevent teachers from hanging flags for save the whales in their in their in their um, classrooms and parents reached out to a number of organizations for help to understand what was happening to understand their rights and to um to get some help in and and um working with their school boards to change these policies and so that's how the organizations came together there are a number of us now i think we have about 20 organizations that have signed on including the groups that you have here and our purpose is really twofold. I mean, one is to make sure that all Pennsylvania schools are welcoming and inclusive to all students because kids need safe and welcoming environments to learn. And then the second is to help parents and community members who want to ensure that their schools are safe places that, that meet the needs of, of their children. When you say that the parents were reaching out with the Education Law Center in particular, what were they reaching out saying? 
Um, they, I cannot tell you the number, and I, and I think Alex can also talk about this at the ACLU. Um, they were, we were getting panic calls from people who said our school district wants to change their existing book policy and basically let anyone object and take a book out of a, out of a, a library. Is that legal? They reached out and said, I have a transgender child, but our, our, um, um, our school district wants to change the policy and not let my child um, participate in, in the sports team um, uh, uh, along with her, with with her gender identity. And they didn't know what to do. So we um, helped them understand what the legal rights were. Um, but uh, but also uh, and the other organizations also help them to come together as a community to work together to get involved in their school boards and fight what they saw were really damaging policies for kids. Alex Domingos, uh, why did the ACLU become part of this coalition? What did you hear? Um, so we uh, began to get involved around 2022. Uh, when, like Sharon mentioned, we started receiving an influx of these um, sort of intake requests um, around a lot of the issues that Sharon mentioned, and including censorship um, and trying to stifle the free speech and expression of teachers and students, mm -hmm. um, in addition to like the trans-exclusionary politics uh, policies, um, book bans, curriculum changes, um, and efforts like that. Mm -hmm. So, Adam Hosey, as a parent of uh, two children, Yes. In Mannheim Township in, in Lancaster County. Uh, I don't know whether you're affiliated with anyone other than the coalition itself, but why did you want to get involved? Yeah, sure. So I was a teacher for about 10 years. Uh, in the past decade, I was always teaching uh, and focusing and making sure my students understood um, how society is constructed. And that included teaching about race and gender and all of these things. Um, and as I progressed in my advocacy and my activism, I realized that a lot of this work um, has to be done at the school board level, has to be done at the, the state house and legislative level. Uh, so that is kind of how I got involved in these matters. Um, and then looking around Lancaster County, looking at like Warwick, Elizabethtown, Hempfield area school district, uh, we were seeing a lot of the same similar issues. Um, so we wanted to make sure that if this was coming to Mannheim Township and we knew it would, uh, that we were going to be ready for it and then that we were preparing. We were trying to work uh, in coalition and community with each other, um, knowing that just because it's happening in Elizabethtown, 20 minutes down 283, it's going to happen here, too, and we need to get ready for that. Did it happen? It did. It in did. In what, what way? Um, so we had a, a transphobic uh, school board member uh, who tried to introduce um, policies that were trans-exclusionary, um, forcing athletes uh, to play on the team of their gender assigned at birth, not their gender identity. Um, so we were able to effectively utilize the ACLU at Law Center um, and this PA Wins Coalition to really provide us kind of like a playbook, um, a foundational approach um, to how we were going to advocate. Um, I have background in organizing, so I was able to organize students and parents, uh, provide uh, like public speaking notes, things like that. Um, but what the Ed Law Center really did was really help us with like the legal basis for this. Um, and we effectively won because of the legality of it. Um, we got a really great support letter, letter from them. Um, and now our district is waiting on the 
the Title IX uh, federal regulations, which the, our district solicitor said was the right thing to do. Our superintendent said it was the right thing to do. And thankfully, our school board also voted uh, for the right thing. All right. So, so what, Scott, go ahead, can, Sharon, I, can yeah. I jump in for a second? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think to set the stage for you, um, what we've seen in school districts across the state is parents who want to take their kids to, to sports and to ballet and help them with their homework found themselves thrust in the middle of a what was really a manufactured political crisis um, by, frankly, um, people who were came from out of state, people who were informed by policies happening in Virginia and Florida and sort of dragged into involvement in their school boards, involvement in these fights. Um, they are, to a large degree, you know, the, the heroes of liberty because they've just been fighting for their kids, fighting for the Constitution, fighting for, for the First Amendment. Um, and so we really just had to respond. These are our, our, our folks who would like to go back to doing what they were doing before they had to really got forced into these very controversial issues. Sharon, what you just mentioned, I mean, there are, are so many aspects to this, but nationally, I mentioned the culture wars right up front in the introduction, and it has made its way down to the local level uh, on school boards in particular. But you use the word liberty, and what it reminded me of was Moms for Liberty, which is a group, it's a national group, but they did have, uh, they have chapters here in Pennsylvania, and including even in Lancaster County, where they went to school boards. What do you think of a group like that? And then what they did, was they were fighting for, to have books, some books limited, uh, how uh, racial history was, was taught. Sure. Again, um, the uh, I can remember can remember um, talking to a school superintendent who said he had some uh, a moms for liberty person come from Florida to talk to him. So a lot of what's deemed culture wars is really a political agenda that's being brought into Pennsylvania by folks who aren't necessarily here um, uh, to rile folks up, and we think really unnecessarily. Um, just to be clear, Pennsylvania parents have a lot of rights over what their kids learn in school. And school districts are very thoughtful about their policies, but their number one goal is to protect kids and keep them safe. And what we found in these attacks is that they really ended up being attacks on kids, attacks on, on children of color, attacks on LGBTQ students. And that's why the parents responded so, so vociferously to, to this political agenda. I'm going to jump around on on uh, the three of you for uh, a, a couple minutes during the program. But Adam, I want to turn back to you because you brought up a specific instance in Mannheim Township. The issue of uh, transgender students or athletes in particular that want to play on uh, the, the team of uh, their sexual identity um, I've seen respected polls, even here in Pennsylvania, that show that a majority of people don't see it as discrimination, but see it as biology. Now, many of these people, probably most of these people, do not consider themselves transphobes or uh, homophobes or anything like that. They look at it as biology, that someone who at, was born as a male at birth is stronger or has a better, a bigger build than female athletes, and it's not fair. Again, they don't look at it as discrimination, and I'm sure these things came up during the the Mannheim Township debate. 
what do you say to that? Yeah, for a number of those those people who just, you know, like me, I grew up playing sports, things like that. 20 years ago, I probably would have said, said the same thing. Um, and then I learned a little bit more about gender identity, about what it means to be transgender, sex assigned at birth, all of those things. Um, and the bottom line is that in Mannheim Township and many of these districts across the state, this shouldn't even be a an issue um, because there are a lot more important things happening. Um, maybe one student in Mannheim Township this would have affected um, so we are spending a lot of time wasting time or school board members, uh, public taxpayer money on litigation and all these things um, to focus on excluding maybe a handful of students. And what these conversations are doing is actually making a, a very harmful space for all LGBTQ plus students, um, because we have students that come to school um, as they are and they see the adults in the room questioning who they are, and they are not allowed to be themselves authentically. Um, so, you know, what I would say to myself 20 years ago, who might have been exactly the same, like what you said, as someone who just said, oh, this is about fairness and competitive in nature, is like, what is the real reason that we're playing high school, middle school sports? Um, no one's going pro. We know the stats on that. Um, it's not a competitive issue. That that uh, that math is, or those statistics have been thoroughly debunked. Even the world Rugby Association allows uh, transgender athletes. So it's not really a safety issue. There's no actual evidence to imply all of these things that um, folks on the other side are saying. But what the most important thing is that we are creating inclusive and space safe spaces um, for all students and especially transgender students. And uh, Alex, let me turn to you for just a moment. I have, over the years of my career as a journalist, attended so many school board meetings where there's one or two people there. So on one hand, it's, it's, it's kind of refreshing to see people taking uh, an interest in their children's education. But on the other hand, if, just like Adam described, if it's people talking about things that don't have to do with improving education, so what should a parent's role be in going to education? Because many of these people who object to the books or uh, to which bathroom a student uses, that kind of thing, or say, well, it's my right as a parent to talk about these things. Yeah, and it certainly is. Um, you know, as an organization, we always encourage folks to be involved in the political process, um, use their voice and advocate, and that's a big part of what the coalition works on. So we encourage any interested parents or taxpayers, community members to pay attention to school board meetings. Um, a lot of them are streamed online, or if you're able to attend in person, to certainly do so. Um, there's a lot of great organizations in the coalition that um, – can get folks comfortable with ad advocacy. We recommend, you know, making it a, a fun thing if you can, you know, bringing your friends and family members along um, because, you know, as taxpayers, you have a voice. Um, you're allowed to advocate. You're allowed to speak your piece. And I think the more scrutiny gets placed on school boards, um, a lot of these issues can be detected. Um, and if you find that your school board is engaging in anti-inclusive education policies, um, your voice is kind of the basic um, tool you have to advocate against those. All right, I have to follow up. How do you make it a fun thing when so many of these school meetings turn into screaming, name-calling, uh, you know, and, and let's face it, uh, today, even the threat of violence out there. 
Yeah, certainly. And uh, of course, we never advocate the threats of violence. I mean, I, I think there's many ways you can do it. Like I said, in getting your friends involved, uh, maybe debriefing or before the meeting, meeting up over, um, you know, coffee or whatever beverage of your choice. Um, you know, getting your probably not alcohol. <laughs> probably not a good idea. <laughs> maybe after. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We just certainly about uh, um, advocate for getting your your personal community involved, right? Because it takes all of our voices. It takes all of us working together um, to amplify those voices and and also to let the school board members that are looking out for marginalized communities let them know that they're supported and heard. Um, we know that. Like you said, these meetings have been pretty acrimonious lately, and um, folks that are standing up for trans kids, um, kids of color, they also need to know that folks are out there supporting them, and that we see that they are um, working to make schools inclusive spaces, and you know, get get back to the normal things school boards are supposed to be doing, and not spending valuable time and money and resources, um, sort of litigating uh, these fights that. Um, aren't really necessary for advancing the education of every child that attends at school. What has to happen to get school boards back to normal? And I, I don't know, there might be people who would be pessimistic that that day will ever come where they're talking about things to improve education for students. I mean, how do you get back to what was once considered normal? It's good old-fashioned democracy, you know. Um, getting people involved, letting other, because a lot of people, for better or worse, you know, don't necessarily pay attention to what's happening at every school board meeting. So getting the word out there and making sure that, you know, when school board elections come up, people are aware of the candidates' policies and know which way to vote. Um, you know, do you want to be spending money fighting off lawsuits because you're discriminating against children, or do you want your school board to be, you know, responsible um, and effective advocates for all students. Mm -hmm. So, Sharon, so it, go ahead, Sharon. Let me let me jump in on that question. Um, so, so I, I would say it's two things. One one thing that will happen is to make clear that um, when when we have screaming groups of parents at school board meetings, who um, it creates an environment that's damaging for kids. And I think to the extent that people understand that, it will help, I hope, to drive people's behavior at these events um, to be a little bit more considerate because kids really do take it personally. They feel under attack. I think that the second thing is maybe to begin to remind people of what the law is. We have a constitution. The constitution says that uh, we have a First Amendment, and that means that people have the freedom to read what they should be able to read. And so efforts that um, might be undertaken to um, prevent for, for one group of people to decide what another group of people is reading, um, they're not constitutional. Similarly, there's a lot of there's a lot of case law and a lot of regulations that protect the rights of LGBTQ students and and trans students. And so school boards are are, are school board members are uh, oftentimes um, uh, reviewing policies and creating policies that are simply illegal. And to the extent that the school boards will act in, in the law, um, we can minimize some of these debates and get back to talking about what kids really need so that they can be successful. So, Sharon, what will PA WINS actually do, the coalition that has just been formed? 
So, so we do a couple of things. Um, we have a number of groups that will work with parents on the ground to answer the questions, to help them look through the policies and identify what you know what the changes are and where those are harmful or or um, illegal. We will provide um, ACLU and an Ed Law Center, for example, will assist individual um, parents and students. Uh, at this at the school board level um, and provide legal representation. There are each of our organizations also has brought um, complaints with the US Department of Education Office of Civil Rights. So we have a legal route, we have a parent support route, and uh, we have an and a public education route. We want people to understand the impact of these things. Mm. We only have a minute left. I want to thank the three of you for being with us today. Adam Hosey, as a parent and a teacher, what do you want to see happen? Uh, your comment about you know getting school boards back to normal really stood out to me um, because the way that public schools function right at right now are, are not acceptable uh, for black and brown students, for LGBTQ plus students. So not only are we trying to get extremism out of our school boards, but we want to really create a space where, where every single student feels comfortable being themselves in their own skin. Uh, my first grader, my kindergartner, I want them to grow up in a, in a school district that's a little kinder than it was for me as an Asian person uh, going through public school. So I think that's what we all want. We all care about our kids, and that's what we're really fighting for. Mm. Again, I want to thank the three of you for being with us. The group is PA Wins. Uh, Alex Domingos is an advocacy and policy strategist for the American Civil Liberties Union. Sharon Ward, senior policy advisor with the Education Law Center. And Adam Hosey parent and teacher in Mannheim Township, Lancaster County. Thank the three of you for being with us today.